0: You live your life You all your hopes and dreams for insanity.
1: You're listening to the Restorative Justice Ministry of the Diocese of Austin, and today we're speaking on anger management. Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, who is our pastoral care coordinator for Restorative Justice Ministry in Gatesville, is teaching a anger management class in one of our prisons, and uh, through his exploration of that material, and with uh, Renee Brown, our director of pastoral counseling for Catholic Charities, we've already gone over one session with a great amount of material about managing our anger, what anger is, uh, why we have it, uh, where it comes from, and how we can make it Uh, manageable in our lives. We turn to St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians to begin today, as he says in the fourth chapter, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun set on your anger and do not leave room for the devil. In my experience as a priest, Deacon Ronnie, it is very frequent that folks express to me that they Absolutely, see their anger or the anger in their lives as a sin, but that's not always the case, is it?
0: It's not anger; is not a sin per se, but rather a God-given spark, uh, attributed also to the Lord. And I cite Mark um, chapter three, verses four—excuse um, me, verse five. It's not to be—it's uh, not to be abused to uh, ignite self-destructive hostility, say, in the form. Of an attack or a violence or, or revenge or or indirect forms of sarcasm or gossip or passive destructiveness, uh, it rather is a signal to ourselves and to others, which, when read and conveyed properly, can can be the impetus uh, for productive communication and contemplation about the cause of it. And I think that's one of the things that. Renee alluded to in our last uh, segment was the, the knowing your triggers, and then also doing the good work to to make the appraisals of them, the assessments of them, and then moving into a productive solution. and And by productive, I mean the kind of communication and and, and, the, and the contemplation that that it's truthful, that's uh, and specific to the actual cause of our anger. Putting putting away uh a uh, lying, as the apostle uh, cited, uh, which can re- affect the removal of the true cause of our anger. Uh, it's a kind of communication that, that allows us to be uh, vulnerable, of course, so as to reveal the intense need and the result in a fear of not having to, uh, that need met, which leads us oftentimes to feel the uh, alarm bell of helplessness. Uh, that is anger. Uh, there was a famous psychologist that once said that violence and revenge are not essentially expressions of anger. They are essentially expressions of failed or unattempted communication, both with oneself and with others. So anger is essentially is not—they're uh, essentially expressions of failed or, uh, or unattempted communications, uh, both with oneself and
1: um, with others and what were the two expressions of it that you said the um, it was violence and well we, we we see the expressions of it as it
0: comes out in violence also and in, 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 in aggressiveness I think that's what uh, it was. In aggression mm-hmm. a form of aggression but really what it it has back to is is our failure to address the issue you know so we're just reacting more so to the situation and we've never really have addressed the, the, the real the real feeling of what's behind that. Uh, the other thing that I'll mention real quickly is that, that um, feeling versus thinking, they're not the same. Oftentimes, we allow our emotions to, to direct our thinking, but it shouldn't be that way. Uh, we, we, we need to see that we respond generally by describing um, um, how, how we feel, uh, but they fail to to really think that through, and that's the that's the good work the of, of of the of the approach that, that says that you know look I need to back off from this a little bit and 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 study that so that I'm not just just overreacting I'm not just exploding that whatever comes along that sets that off. Think about this way. Uh, let me in in, in in honesty and humility, uh, put away the line about the underlying reasons for my anger. Uh, am I Fearing a loss of control um, in some relationship or situation, and in and are my anger outbursts perhaps uh, masking uh, my anxiety um, by lending me some sort of sense of power or control. If that's the case, then, then then we really need to address those issues. Uh, because if we don't, we're just going to stay arrested at responding the same way over and over again.
1: Renee, I know you've got something for, for this, but let me just ask, and hopefully it'll be a good segue into what you were going to talk about. Mm-hmm. What is it about us that we have so much fear about losing control in any number of issues or however you want to address it? Because in the spiritual life, Loss of control is something that we strive for, to let go of control, to let God be the one that's in control, to let my will be God's will, all those kinds of things. And yet, it really seems to be, and from everything that Deacon Ronnie was just saying, that that fear of loss of control drives us to some pretty unhealthy Mm -hmm. and even unholy uh, acts, such as aggression and violence. Where does that come from in us?
2: You know, I think it can come from a variety of places. If you're uh, if you were a child that was uh, never allowed to have any sort of control in your world, then you may desire to have some some control. Um, If you're a person that has that tendency to need to control everything, um, the fear could be it could be various. Um, I think a lot of this really develops in childhood, um, depending upon You know the family that we that we've grown up in, and so some of the questions that that people could ask themselves um, in regard to anger. I love these anger discussion questions from Therapist Aid, but <clears throat> one of the questions kind of goes back to what um, uh, Deacon Ronnie was saying. Some people will describe anger as a secondary emotion, so this would mean that anger is a response to your primary emotion. So it can be hurt, fear. Sadness, lack of control. So we're kind of back to that lack of control. So if that's a secondary emotion, where was that hurt from? Is that that kiddo that, you know, had no control over their world at all? Maybe they couldn't even pick out the cereal they wanted to eat for breakfast. They lived in such a controlled environment. And then as an adult, they get some control and they don't want to let that go because I never had that before. Or... Maybe it's a person who had to control everything because they had an absent parent. And so I have to be in control of everything or my world falls apart if I'm not in control of all of these things. So control often has, you know, its roots um, in other pieces. Um, It could come out of uh, a—the cycle of abuse is one thing I'm going to go over in a minute. Um, You know, if you've been in an abusive relationship with somebody— you may desire to have control and moving forward or that person that's the abuser, of course, that desire to have control. So control can have its roots derived out of so many places, but it seems to be kind of human nature to want control and it's hard to give up control, right? It's kind of like when I talk to God a lot about my grown kids, right? And I'm like, it's hard for me to give up that control even though I know like God's in control, but that that brain, my brain just doesn't work that way. If me as a parent should have some of this control.
1: Is there any evidence in psychotherapy circles that as I learn to give up control in a healthful way, you know that I'm not neglecting responsibility, let's say, that we actually become healthier mentally?
2: Oh, I'm I'm I can't quote anybody, but absolutely when you learn to kind of To give away control, we're not saying just like you said it perfectly, you're not giving up responsibility. You're just giving up control of things. There's freedom in that, right? And so there's going to be less anxiety, less depression, you know, less of these uh, feelings under anger. Um, You're going to experience overall better mental health well-being, when you can give up some of that control, it just doesn't, it just, I think it's one of those pieces that doesn't feel natural to most people. And if you think about it, even in childhood, what are, what do we tell kids? You need to be in control of your bladder by the age of like one and a half. You should go potty train, be in control of your bladder, be in control of your emotions. You know, we don't lay on the ground and throw a temper tantrum. You know, we behave in the classroom. We are given expectations from practically birth of being in control of ourselves and if we're not then somebody else is going to be in control of us so control is a very uh, i kind of think i don't even know what the word would be it's just a very core dominated uh, piece of human uh, being a human being but definitely if you can give some of that up you're going to have better well-being absolutely so we're in
1: a time of very distinctly different constraints than most of us are accustomed to with the pandemic continuing Mm -hmm. to stretch on particularly since when the vaccines came out it really looked like we had turned a corner and everybody declared that life was going to go back to normal and then the delta variant came along and we're experiencing that in the prisons as well deacon ronnie and i along with our our flock obviously our officer corps and our our our, uh, incarcerated souls, uh, that they're already dealing with constraints that are imposed by the system mm-hmm. in which they live. So there's one removal of control right away. And then all of us grappling with, when is this thing going to go away? When does it get to stop having control over me? And and so, so much of what the anger that people are experiencing now seem to be bumping up against that. So maybe y'all can address some of, you know, how are we how are we going to look at our anger in the midst of these uh these constraints that we really don't like with a kind of no end in sight mm-hmm. or you know thing with us right now even though we all know this is going to come to a close someday but that's not where we're at right now. Right. That's one of the reasons we're doing this series is because we're all suffering from this, are incarcerated and suffer from it in a even ex- more extraordinarily unique way. But where do we go with all that? What are we supposed to do to to answer those realities of the constraints of life, the control needs that we have, and, and yet um, a lot of that is not, not going in the right direction for most of us, and so we're getting angry. What do we do?
0: Well, I, I, the, um, Dr. Knauss uh, offers some core solutions um, to what to do, and first of all, I think, and we've already identified this, is just to be aware be mindful of that tendency and step back uh, more often to reflect, to avoid the reckless anger crisis that is so easy to to employ. Uh, the second thing that I think is important as a, a solution is to explore how to develop your mental toughness through tolerance. Uh, again, I mean, especially if you're living in an institution, as, which prisons are, mm-hmm. uh, you have developed a uh, uh, a, a, a level of tolerance that exceeds what most people are used to and uh, that's a good thing perhaps uh, I think that uh, a real true form of of toughness uh, is not the guy that 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 bows up and stands up and and leads the charge but true toughness is is the one that simply t- takes that step back and 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 forms a a, a, a a really a holistic approach to, to solving this problem versus just to, 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 to muster the troops and, and, and lead an attack. Uh, that's different. Uh, that's really a true uh, um, direction that, that's going to benefit everybody. Uh, taking responsibility and then doing something, putting yourself on the path to, to, to a positive change, that's real tough, toughness. That's, that's, that's different than, than just the, the explosion that, that we often see. The third thing I think that we can use is uh, use that anger signal to work on uh, any other uh, underlying um, mental health issues that we may have, particularly uh, depression or anxiety uh, that we have just failed to address. And there's help there. Uh, but mm-hmm. if we don't seek it, uh, we're just going to stay where we are. So that uh, use it as a signal, if you will. Um, and then... I think the other thing that we can do is set um, new values or new direction, find new ways to break the, the family uh, tradition, if you will, and set a positive one. The, uh, in that, and in doing so, um, there's a discovery uh, process that uh, unfolds. Uh, figure out what information you need uh, on a case-by-case basis uh, for deciding who merits the benefits of the doubt and whom uh, you'd uh, wisely not trust. And I think living, in, especially in, in in a close community uh, such as uh, uh, our prisons, we we, we develop that. Yeah, you know, we develop that sense of of, of discovery uh, in any situation. until we we can actually um, uh, the, the, our circle of, of confidants narrows uh, quite a bit. And uh, but then we also realize that these are people that we don't we shouldn't be sharing information with as well. So uh, there's a bit of guardedness there if you and. The other thing is other-centeredness, and this is very important in our, in our Gospels, uh, up and down um, the text, we're always living an other-centered life. And uh, to learn to think outside of this all-or-nothing view, to help yourself forge a happier and healthier perspective. If we can do that alone, I think we've, we're, we're, getting, we're making great progress. That's what the Lord challenges us to do, not just occasionally, but each and every day. Is to live an other-centered life, and um, that will uh, add to uh, flexibility in your life uh, by accepting that others have a right to their views, uh, even if they're misguided. You know, at least you're allowing that to happen. Also, having more uh, a low tolerance of of, of for tissue uh, that that you develop a methods of, of building a higher tolerance for your tension mm-hmm. that you're around you. Uh, you can't. You again. You none of that is. When we say we're in control, the reality is we've never been in control. You know, we're, we're just not. And so when we allow the parasitic anger to come into our lives, then then that control, that competition, that, that, that all gets part and parcel mm-hmm. of how
1: we deal with it. Renee, Deacon Ronnie just gave us from the program that he's teaching some really good, what we would probably call coping strategies. I put the question out there, what are we supposed to do in a time where we're all uh-huh. just on edge and and more prone to anger? But from what I understand from our previous discussion uh, off air, uh, you had said that, yes, there are coping strategies, but not all of them are healthy. So there right. are healthy ones and there are unhealthy ones. Well, help us understand what what the difference is.
2: Well, um, coping strategies, you know, they're actions that we're going to take so that we can, you know, deal with stress or or deal with our anger issues um, are just some of those emotions that are uncomfortable. And so here's some examples of some unhealthy coping strategies. So drug or alcohol use, um, overeating, procrastination, you know, putting things off, not dealing with them head on. Maybe if, if you're noticing, like, some sleep deprivation or maybe you're getting too much sleep, um, withdrawing um, socially from others um, can be unhealthy. And um, self-harm and aggression, that hostility, that rage, those are all unhealthy uh, coping mechanisms. When you're thinking about healthy strategies, you want to look at— um, Things like exercise, so you know if you can get out and walk, or if there's a place where you can work out, um, those are healthy things to do. Healthy eating, if that's available. Um, seeking professional help, talking about your problem to to others that you feel safe talking to. Um, whenever I kind of encourage people to talk to friends, I always put that that piece in there: a safe person, because you don't want somebody that's going to go tell your business or are be highly judgmental and critical. Utilize problem-solving techniques, having a social circle around you, not of positive people. And so if somebody's toxic, even if that's your parent, then that would not be a person that that you would want to go to. And then any kind of relaxation techniques, so that could be uh, deep breathing, which we've practiced before, some uh, imagery work, um, I know that there's probably no yoga classes for incarcerated people, but, you know, just some of those stretches that you can do and just having some quiet and calm. Um, so those are some of the healthy strategies. Um, I have another list that we can kind of go over because these were specific to anger. Sometimes a, a coping strategy is just the di- diversion for a moment. You know, when you're feeling that anger come upon you. And and the interesting thing is, and one of the anger questions uh, for discussion that we use sometimes is anger tr- typically just doesn't pounce on you. You're just angry. Anger usually has been kind of brewing and sometimes we're just not aware of it or we avoided it. Um, it could have been brewing since childhood, you know, um, and so we've held on to that. And so it typically, we just don't explode out of anywhere. So, um, Just specifically some things you can do for coping is, you know, going for a walk, you know, playing a game with somebody if that's available, Um, you know, reading a book if there's a way to have a hobby while you're incarcerated, drawing or painting, you know, being able to call your family or friends if they're supportive, Um, you know, if you're able to get out and maybe walk or run you know, work out somehow, that's always helpful. Journaling, if you feel like you're in a safe location to have a journal, lifting weights, uh, listening to music, if that's available to you, or listening to like a podcast like we're, you know, we're putting on right now can be very helpful. Um, The, you know, I'm thinking about a person being in a, you know, in their cell, but if there's a way to kind of rearrange some of the things just that are set up in your room somehow to just kind of act as a diversion and something different and then taking time out. And sometimes when we think about timeout, we think about when we put kids, you know, over in a corner or in a chair. But, you know, taking a time out for yourself, meaning um, maybe you set up a plan for your timeout. Where is this timeout going to happen? What is this going to look like? And maybe you plan it throughout the day. You know what? I need a timeout. I need some space just for me. So I'm going to do this at 10 to 10.15, 1 to 1.15, 4 to 4.15, like that. So you actually plan your time out. And then again, knowing those triggers, knowing your warning signs, um, I think that's so important to being able to cope is to know those things. And you can actually use the triggers to your advantage. You know, if you know them, then you can kind of control them better, right? So... Um, An activity that it gives you is, you know, write your triggers down, list them out and then, you know, keep them fresh in your mind so that when they become a problem, you can deal with them more immediately and you don't want to avoid it. I mean, avoidance, we want to do things head on, although there could be some triggers that maybe you would avoid Um, and you want to make sure that you're not trying to deal with an anger situation when you're um, hungry You're tired or you're upset because things will probably not go well. I mean, I know when I'm hungry, I'm a little more agitated, right? Or if I'm super tired, I'm more irritable. So if I'm feeling tired, if I'm hungry, if I'm overwhelmed, that's not the time to be dealing with, um, you know, uh, anger situations. And then um, keep an anger log, You know, if you have a journal, access to a journal, keep an anger log. What was happening before I got angry and exploded? You know, how was I feeling? Was I tired? Was I hungry? Was I just thinking about my mom who irritates me and who's critical? You know, describe the facts of what happened. You know, what triggered your anger? How did you react? And then write down what you were feeling, you know, during the anger episode, what were some of your thoughts? What were some of the things that you were feeling so that you can look at it and create a plan to react differently or to be proactive? We don't always have to be reactive in everything we do. We can be proactive. If I know that somebody agitates me, then I'm going to spend less time with that person. And so I think pro, being proactive is a good coping skill as well.
0: Renee, I, I agree hundred percent. That's exactly what uh, our um, program has recommended. Uh, the importance of having uh, some solution for anger escalation um, that's practical uh, and that and that's doable. We, I think about um, the guy that uh, has been Prince at Bay. He's been at work all day, and and he just needs a fifteen minute walk. You know, if he if asks us to a, a rec yard or, or just uh, some place to, to, to walk it out, if you will, that gives that, that sense of, of a letting go. Uh, and he realized that at the end of that, that walk that, that things probably aren't near as bad as he was out make them to be. And the other thing is that he doesn't bring that into his community or mm-hmm. he doesn't bring that home to his family, that there's that collateral damage that comes in the door uh, of whatever happened at work. So that 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 simple uh, practical solution of just just taking a walk kind of to, kind of get off by yourself a bit and and, and, and um, letting that go the other thing is, is some something simple is just sitting down and relaxing you know uh, uh, the the workbook that we're using talks about this sitting at a at a, a 30 degree angle you know kind of just to to relax and uh, and that's and, and in doing so, create a scene of, of serenity that that your mind can look out over, like, for instance, an open field or a, or a wandering stream, and allow yourself to to relax. and And this can, can be a good time and a good place uh, as we can develop uh, decisions and, and thoughts going forward. Uh, the other thing that that it can be simple, uh, instead of letting your anger bubble over, uh, you, can, you can count to 10, <laughs> you know, count, mm-hmm. uh, walk. <laughs> Again, uh, whatever it is that works for you, um, these, all these practices will buy you time. It buys you time to lower your risk of acting on aggressive thoughts or impulses.
1: Well, in litanies, in the tradition of the Catholic Church, litanies, uh, to me, would be a perfect kind of foil for a moment of anger just think you know have have a, a pocket of litanies ready to go mm-hmm. litany to mm-hmm. the Saints, litany to the Blessed mother uh, litany to the the suffering Christ um, uh, to uh, any any number of things to where by the time that you complete however many repetitious items you've you've spoken in prayer you've broken that lock uh, that you were in when you were in a full-blown heated a- anger mm-hmm. moment. And I wanted to ask, with Deacon Ronnie, given all those good examples of how to do that, how to, to to shift the the narrative in in your emotional state, Renee, when we achieve that, is there something cognitive slash emotional that that our body gives us that's a benefit? In other words, is triumphing over anger actually good for your mental and physical health?
2: Oh, absolutely! I think it brings a sense of calm. It brings a sense of peace, and importantly there's a piece of confidence that comes with that. When when you are able to, I guess you could say, conquer your anger, keep it in control, however you want to put it, there is a sense of confidence that comes after that. Like, wow, I, I was able to wrangle that in and deal with that, you know, with a wise mind, an emotional, you know, mind. I was able to um, conquer that. And that increases your confidence. Absolutely.
1: And then the more that you're able to repeat that over and over again, can that actually begin to repattern how how the things that start to well up and you do well up? I mean, do, does your mind, like almost in an unspoken way, keep those at arm's length because you're not needing them anymore? You don't
2: need it anymore. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think about that a lot. When I did a lot of work on myself, you know, with my anger issues and just some hurt and pain that I experienced in childhood... I, I was thinking about all this coming here today. I, I don't experience anger very often anymore in the same way I used to. So, when I was much younger, I mean, things my, I was known for throwing the phone and the hairbrush, right? I mean, my kids would tell you that. But after just working on myself and getting counseling and processing and doing the work, now anger is just something I don't deal with very often. So if I'm irritable about something I'm able to say, okay, are you frustrated? Are you feeling overwhelmed? what do you feel isolated? Do you need help? Did, am I feeling disrespected? what is this is, this is about And I had a intern actually walk into my office yesterday and I have the anger iceberg on my file cabinet where I can see it. you know we've talked about that in another session and she goes that's so cool that you have that that hanging up and I'm like well when I'm feeling irritable I look I can look at it and go, okay, What's going on with me right now? And if I know I'm frustrated, okay, then I need to get up and go walk or I need to go outside for a while and, you know, just let things go, do a little imagery work and get myself uh, back in control.
1: And we can also always go to prayer. To
2: prayer, absolutely. So a
1: prayer to calm your mind. Everlasting Father, help me feel calm when I become angry, when pressure and conflict make me feel surrounded remind me that I am surrounded by your presence. When you are with me, I have no need to lash out in anger. Please remove my anger towards other people and replace it with trust in your provision and care. May confidence in your love replace any anger about my circumstances. When I feel angry due to unmet expectations, remind me that satisfaction can be found only in you. May the love of the Father, the grace of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit be with me today, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Brother, if you walk with me, Brother, will you walk with me?